The Acts of the Apostles is a great book, isn't it? It's an exciting story of the explosive expansion of Christianity. I read somewhere, and it is, isn't it? And there's lots of lessons in Acts and they're just as appropriate, well, they certainly were appropriate in that day and they, they still are today. So we'll be looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and 8, and then to Acts chapter 2. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And to chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speak in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? There's Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. There are Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Follow, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So far from Joel. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. 
This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about this about him. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. That's from Psalm 16. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Thank you, Carl. Uh, there's a uh, there's a little handout with some Bible passages uh, on it. If you didn't get one, there should still be uh, a pile up on the back table. If you want to jump up and grab one now. I think there was one week where I managed to get it done in time to go in the leaflet. No, two weeks. So, uh, And there'll be a, uh, a time uh, for questions at the end as well. So if uh, anything strikes you as we're going through, you might just want to uh, note that down and then hopefully uh, I'll be able to answer that at the end. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word in the Bible. Thank you for your words about Jesus. Uh, Lord, we pray that as we study them this morning that you would help us to know you and to understand you uh, and to receive your words and to believe them and to trust in you. Father, please uh, help us this morning because these things are hard things to think about. Uh, Lord, we ask that you'd help us to come to a right understanding, help us to test all things and to hold fast to that which is good. Father, we ask it for the sake of your glory. Amen. Well, uh, if you're visiting with us uh, this morning, we've been going through uh, the branch here, a series on what the Bible says about the Bible. We've been studying the Bible to try and work out what the Bible is and what the Bible is about and, and how we should treat the Bible and, uh, and what God says in it. Uh, we've, uh, uh, we've seen that God's words, uh, that the Bible is God's words written for his people uh, by his spirit about his son. We've seen that the Bible is God's authoritative word and that we need to listen to what God says. 
We've seen that the Bible is clear and that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us to make the Bible make sense. We've seen that the Bible is reliable and that it's truthful and it's reliable and truthful because God is reliable and truthful. And we've seen that God's words in the Bible are powerful. They make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus and they equip us and train us for every good work by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God's words in the Bible also turn spiritually dead people into people who are spiritually alive. But the last question that we're thinking about is probably the trickiest question of all and that is the question, does God still speak? In one sense, uh, through this series we've already answered that question. Yes, God does still speak. God still speaks to us in the Bible. The Bible is a living book full of living words and in it God speaks to us. And while that's the primary answer, I think, to the question, does God still speak, to only say that ignores the other questions that everybody often has. Does God still speak through people? What about prophecy? Does God still prophesy through people? Or does God only speak to us through the Bible? Well, that's the, uh, the questions that uh, I want to answer this morning uh, from the Bible. Uh, and the place, of course, to start is with the Bible and a good place in the Bible to start is Acts chapter 2, which Chris read for us. And Acts chapter 2 is... Uh, that account of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit uh, in fulfilment of God's promises in the Old Testament. Jesus' life, death and resurrection had opened the way for the Holy Spirit to come uh, on God's people to remake humanity in the image of Jesus and that began on the day of Pentecost and that's recorded for us in Acts chapter 2. Peter and the other disciples are gathered together and there's this violent sound, this sound of 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 a wind suddenly come up Uh, and they see these tongues of fire coming down from heaven and resting uh, on each of them. And the neighbours, the people uh, in town, the people who are visiting from all the neighbouring regions, they hear this amazing sound and they, uh, they kind of gather together in a bit of a crowd to see what's going on. And when they do that, they discover that the disciples, the apostles, are speaking to them in uh, their own, in, in the languages that these people understood. The, the disciples and the apostles are speaking in languages that they hadn't known before. Some of the crowd are amazed and some of the crowd just think that the disciples are drunk. But Peter says that what's going on is the fulfilment of a prophecy in the Old Testament by Joel. So verse 17 of Acts chapter 2 In these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So what happened on the day of Pentecost then was not only uh, the beginning of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the people who trust in Jesus, but it was also the beginning according to Peter and according to Joel, of a great prophetic movement. In the past, God had spoken through a few prophets here and there, but now with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, all kinds of people will see visions and dream dreams and will prophesy, says Peter. After you settle down for the excitement of that, 
and after you sort of stop wondering what that means, you begin to see that what Peter means by it is actually a bit different to what we might have expected. Peter says that what he and the other apostles are doing in Acts 2 is actually fulfilling the prophecy of Joel. But if you read Acts chapter 2, there's no dreams, no visions, no words about the future. There's no words about what God will do in uh, that person's life. What do you get in Acts chapter 2? What you get in Acts chapter 2 is Peter and the other apostles explaining how Jesus is the Messiah and how Jesus has come in fulfilment of the Old Testament. Look at verse 29. Peter says, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his, his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet. King David in, uh, in the Old Testament, he was a prophet. So what did David prophesy? Well, continuing on, he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father what the promised Holy Spirit, uh, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. What they saw and heard was the promised Holy Spirit and what they saw and heard was Peter and the other apostles speaking and explaining that Jesus was the Messiah coming in fulfilment of the Old Testament. David's role as a prophet was to look ahead to the coming of Jesus and to his death and his resurrection. Peter's role and the role of the apostles as witnesses of Jesus' resurrection was to testify to what had happened, what had come about. Peter says, this is the message of the Spirit who you now see and hear. Well, listen to these words from uh, 1 Peter. These are on the the page that you have there. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Listen to these words about what Peter says the role of the Old Testament prophets was. Peter writes, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So what did the prophets speak about? They spoke about this salvation. The spirit of Christ in the prophets was pointing to the sufferings of Jesus and to the glories that would follow. Look at what Peter goes on to say. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So the same Holy Spirit that was given to the prophets to speak the words of God about the Messiah in the Old Testament, that same Holy Spirit has been given to the apostles and is now empowering their preaching of the gospel. Peter says, even the angels long to look into these things. You see, the mistake that we make, I think, when we think about prophecy is that we think that the greatest mystery in life is what we will do and what will happen to us 
and how God will use me in God's great gospel plan. But the great mystery in the Bible is not about what happens to you and me, but about what God has done in Jesus Christ. If you read through the New Testament, the word mystery is applied to the gospel. It was the mystery of God, the mystery about Jesus Christ. Why was it a mystery? It was a mystery because it was hidden and now it's been revealed. In the past it was spoken about in shadows and in forms and in symbols through the prophets. But now what was hidden, what was shadowy, what was obscure, what was hard to make out, now that's been revealed in all its fullness and explained and made clear. Everywhere that the gospel is preached and brought to bear on the lives of people, the prophetic ministry of God continues. When God speaks through people to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known, the the work of prophecy continues. God's words in his people's mouths. Listen to these words from Romans chapter 16. You've got these as well. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him. What the Bible is saying is that the fundamental uh, thing about prophecy or the fundamental message of prophecy is Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of the mystery which has now been revealed. Or listen uh, to this remarkable definition of prophecy from Revelation chapter 19 verse 10. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy or literally the witness of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what is prophecy about? It's about Jesus Christ and what God has done in him. To say that uh, prophecy is about the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, doesn't mean that It's one-dimensional. We shouldn't understand that too narrowly. It's a bit like saying the Bible is about Jesus. The Bible is all about Jesus. It points to Jesus. And yet the Bible has a lot of different, uh, a lot of variety. Prophecy, uh, broadly understood, isn't just evangelism. It's showing people how the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It's explaining how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. It's challenging people to repent and to believe in Jesus. It's showing people the new life that Christ has called us to live in obedience to him. It's challenging people to take up their cross and to follow Christ. It's it's as broad as the entire Bible, if you like, but it's centred and focused on the person of Jesus Christ. Prophecy is a word about Christ which challenges, rebukes, encourages, equips, trains, makes wise for salvation just as the Bible does. Now you might ask, but does God still give people special insight? Does God still give people special insight into the future like he did in the past? That's a hard question to answer and I think the answer is, in some senses, probably... There doesn't seem to be any reason to suppose that God wouldn't. 
There are certainly a few examples in the New Testament of that, though there's not very many, to be honest. There are examples too of the Holy Spirit leading people in plans and decisions and I'm certainly not suggesting that the Holy Spirit is absent and that God doesn't prompt and prod us to do certain things. I remember a friend of mine was going for a morning walk once. She passed a bus stop and there was a man standing at the bus stop and she thought to herself, I should talk to that man. And then she thought, no, I'll just keep walking. And then she thought, no, I think I should go back and talk to that man. She thought, well, there's nothing... Doesn't seem to be anything wrong with talking to uh, talking to him. So she went back and she talked to him. Anyway, by the time the bus came, this man uh, was in a position where he wanted to uh, give his life to, to following Christ. Uh, he was at a crisis uh, in his life, and she'd spoken a word uh, at just the right time. I remember too, uh, in my own experience, I uh, many years ago. Uh, I had the overwhelming conviction coming from reading uh, a part of the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 5. I felt strongly that I should go and talk to my grandmother and make sure that she was uh, ready to die. Uh, she wasn't in particularly bad health at that time, but I thought, the Bible says, look after widows, and I felt this very strong conviction that the best thing I could do was to go and talk to her and to make sure that she trusted in Jesus and was ready to die. So I did. We read Isaiah 43, I think it was, together and we prayed and we talked about her faith and two or three weeks later she was admitted to hospital and was dead within 48 hours. Well, we never know, do we? God prompts and prods us all the time. He prompts and prods us by his word. But impressions, thoughts, ideas, strong emotions aren't the sure word of God. Feelings and ideas and impressions can be wrong and they can be misleading and they can lead us into sin and they can lead us away from God. But the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible is always right and always good and always pure and always true. It might be worth turning to Deuteronomy chapter 13. I wasn't going to say this, but I think it's good to say. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Very interesting passage. And says what we would not expect. In Deuteronomy 13, uh, God says through Moses, If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, Let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, we so often think, well, if I had the impression and if it came true, it must be from God. If somebody says something and it happens, it must be a word from God. And God says through Moses, that is no guarantee. How do you know if it's from God? if it matches up with the Bible. Here's this person who's leading them away. They, they, they make a prophecy, it comes to pass, 
and they lead them away to other gods. But God says it's from him and he's testing them to see whether they will turn away from him. The Bible, unlike our feelings and thoughts and impressions, the Bible is always right and always good and always pure and always true. I'm not saying that God has lost the ability uh, to reveal to people things about the future or lay bare the hearts of people. What I am saying is that to see prophecy primarily as a kind of neat trick which enables us to catch the glimpse of the future fails to understand the reason that God has spoken. When we become fixated on those things, we miss the point of why God speaks. God speaks so that we would know Christ and know him. Jesus in the New Testament is the prophet par excellence. And what does John say was the ministry of Jesus? He made God known. In the past God spoke through the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. The revelation in Jesus Christ is the great revelation of God and to run past that to get to visions and dreams and insights and feelings is to miss the gospel in favour of a neat trick. So prophecy is primarily about the revelation of Jesus Christ and making known to people that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. But more than just that reality, God also promises to help us make that message known. Uh, it helps to look at what God said in the Old Testament to some of the prophets and then see how that's paralleled in the New Testament. So uh, again, looking at the sheet that you've got, God says to Moses in Exodus, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Or Deuteronomy 18, where God speaks about a prophet who uh, would come after Moses, that is, uh, Jesus. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. Or Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go do everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. Or listen to these words in Matthew chapter 10 from the New Testament. On my account you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time you will be given what to say for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. What is striking is that in the Old Testament, when the prophets spoke, it was the Holy Spirit who enabled them to speak, who gave them the words to speak. And it was the Holy. Uh, and in the Book of Acts, uh, and in the New Testament, it's the Holy Spirit who comes on people with power and gives them words to proclaim the gospel about Jesus. 
So Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 4 we're told, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, and the rest of Acts chapter 4 is a gospel sermon. Acts chapter 11 tells us about Barnabas. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit of faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Does God still speak? Yes, God still speaks and he uses us to speak the message of salvation into the world. In the past, to speak about the coming of Jesus was a task for, for only a select few. It was for the, the, the prophets. But now that Jesus has come, that task and message is given to all of us to make known the mystery of God. We can make known to people what they didn't know before. And the only thing we need to know is the Gospel. In Matthew's Gospel, uh, Jesus talks about John the Baptist, the last of the Old Testament prophets. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets and yet anyone, any person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Why is that? It's because they know the message about Jesus and they can share it with other people. We have a greater privilege than John because we know who Jesus is. And not only do we know the Gospel, the Bible tells us, now that Jesus has come, we also have received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives us the words to say so that we can speak to others about Jesus. So you might think that the task of proclaiming the Gospel Telling people about Jesus is not a task for you. But the Bible says, no, actually, all God's people will announce the coming of the Messiah. And you might think, but I can't do that because I'm not suitably equipped. And God says, no, you have the Holy Spirit. I've poured out my Holy Spirit for this purpose, to make the mystery of Christ known. You might think, but my words aren't as good as, uh, as uh, Joe's words, Bob's words. No, they always, uh, they always say it much better than me. But Jesus says, I will give you the words to speak. The Spirit will give you the words to speak. You need to believe that God enables you to speak. You might not feel that God is speaking through you, that doesn't matter. Feelings are never a reliable guide of what God is doing. You might feel like a complete failure. Well, so did the prophets. God says he will speak through us and we need to believe him. So the primary message of prophecy is a message about Jesus, the mystery of Jesus. And that message is a message which God has given to us and he's given to us the Holy Spirit so that we can make it known to others as well. 
But how does God do that? How does God put his words in our mouths? How does the Holy Spirit equip us to speak about, speak about Jesus? Well, this is the last thing and just very briefly, the answer to that question, unsurprisingly perhaps, is that the Holy Spirit equips us to speak God's words through the Bible. The Holy Spirit caused the Bible to be written down and the Bible is not a dead book. It's the living word of God and the Holy Spirit, as we've seen all the way through this series, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Bible. So we tend to think that supernatural insight must come to us spontaneously. If God is speaking through me, then it must be some sudden inspiration that I've never had before. But in the Bible, just to understand the Gospel is to have supernatural insight. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 that we only understand because God has given us the Holy Spirit. I love those words uh, of Peter that we read earlier too about the Old Testament prophets. Uh, If anyone had supernatural insight into the words of God, the mind of God, it was the Old Testament prophets. But look at what Peter says uh, in that very first passage you've got written down. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. They searched intently and with great care. They didn't just put up their feet and say, well, I'll just wait for the next revelation from God and then I'll say that. They combed and they searched through the Bible. One thing that you notice if you read through the Old Testament prophets is that they're always quoting the Bible. They're steeped in the Bible. They knew the parts of the Bible that they had at that time inside out. And the words that God gave them to speak were applications of the Bible. Same with the apostles. They constantly refer to the Old Testament in their evangelism, in their letters. You couldn't do that without knowing the Bible well. They weren't just sitting there and thinking, well, I have to write a letter to the church in Corinth and, uh, and what I'll do is I'll, just, I'll, I'll put the pen there and just hope that God says something to me. No, they were, they were studying the Bible. They were, they were thinking about what they'd seen in the life and heard in the words of Christ. They searched intently and with the greatest care and what they discovered they wrote down inspired by the Holy Spirit for us to read and for us to have. I suppose it's possible that God could give a person spontaneous supernatural insight into what the Bible means but almost the entire emphasis of the New and Old Testament is that God prepares people slowly through teaching, through reading through studying the word. So you might think to yourself, I should speak to my neighbour about Jesus. How could you prepare to speak God's words to your neighbour? A great place to start is by reading the Bible. You might, uh, you might think, well, I might just sit here until, uh, until God gives me a word for my neighbour. But God says, study the Bible intently and with great care. I was thinking the other day, I had a conversation with Ben Vanderveld and I was thinking to myself afterwards, what makes Ben a great evangelist? Every time you talk to Ben, he has some story about some person's house that he visited and they ended up in a gospel conversation. And I thought, what makes Ben a great evangelist? What makes Ben a great evangelist is that he knows the Bible and he studies the Bible and when you talk to him, the Bible just comes flowing out. 
so that when somebody says, my husband has just passed away, the Holy Spirit can prompt a word from the Bible for Ben to speak into that person's life. At just the right time, the Holy Spirit brings to mind a great truth to apply to that person's situation. It's a disaster to think that God only speaks to us or through us when we say something unprepared and spontaneous. As though God is only involved in our life when something spontaneous happens and has been absent from our lives for all the long years of formation and training and correction. No, Peter says, the prophet searched intently and with the greatest care. Does God still speak? Yes, God still speaks. God speaks to us in the Bible and in the Bible the Holy Spirit equips us to speak words to people. God puts his words in our mouths. It's extraordinary, isn't it? God puts his words in our mouths to build up the church, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to call people to repentance, to train us for every good work and to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, in the past you spoke through the prophets, but in these last days you have spoken to us through your beloved Son. Lord, thank you that the message that was once hidden has now been revealed and it has been revealed to us so that we might know it, so that we might know you. And Lord, we marvel to think that uh, the task that was kept for just a few people uh, in in the past, that the task that was kept just for a few prophets to speak about Jesus, Lord, that task has now been given to all of us, that you have put your words into our mouths, the great revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to realise the great privilege that we have, the great task and the great responsibility And Lord, we uh, want to confess that our heart isn't always or isn't often in that task. And Lord, often we're afraid too of our inadequacy. But Lord, help us to remember that you promise, just like you did with the prophets, that you will give us the words to say, that you make your words powerful and that they achieve everything that you intend. Lord, help us to believe you and help us to be great evangelists and prophets and teachers in your world today. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. So uh, just a bit of a time of questions.